This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show. Anything the Jets can get from Mims, you take that as a victory. Huh? Really? Because I look at it differently. Mims was a second round pick from a draft just three years ago. So they take this guy in the second round and now he's getting traded three years later. He just gets moved and I'm supposed to celebrate that at least they're getting something for him. Nah, you got the wrong one. Let's not dismiss this as if it's benign. Part of your job in evaluating talent isn't just the anticipated production on the field. It's about how he's going to come into this organization and he pretty much batted zero on everything. This the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. We're going until midnight tonight. Hour left in the program. Did a full hour on the Jets. I was annoyed, not that Denzel Mims got traded, like because it's Mims, and I felt like he's some, you know, burgeoning superstar, but just the overall scope of what's happened the last couple of years as it pertains to what they've done in the draft and free agency just doesn't make the resume look all that great, uh, which is why I say going into the season, uh, both the head coach and the gen- general manager are on the clock. We need to see the results. We need to see uh, them tangibly in order for us to extend this thing because as much potential as they have and we continue to talk about with the young players and now the Hall of Fame quarterback, if it doesn't lead to any winning – we going to get to the offseason and talk about job security, and that's going to fall on both Robert Sala and Joe Douglas. So we spent the first hour of the show on that. Time to transition to a topic that I avoided uh, for too long, and it is the Yankees. So my question, and I guess I can pose it not just to the audience, but to my guys in the studio, Joe Leo and Harvey Cruz, is Aaron Judge – the greatest player in baseball history. Is he? You you watch Aaron Judge in his career. It, do you say that, you know what, I'm watching the greatest player who's ever lived? No. No. Why do I ask that? Okay, so last night, after getting one hit by a pitcher who pitched to a you know 7.11 ERA in June, the Yankees yet again lost to the Angels. This time, 7-3. to three. They get swept. They're losers of eight of their last ten games. Now you look at them, they're just four games above five hundred. Outside of the playoffs looking in, in last place in the division this late in the season for, for, for the first time in 33 years. How's the offense? Bottom third of the league. How's the pitching? Well, the bullpen was a strength. It's now falling apart. Radon doesn't look good. Anything outside of Cole is a question mark. Well, how's the defense? Miscue after miscue after miscue. Well, of course, then, you know, certainly when they do get on base, they run the base paths correctly. Well, no, we saw another guy get thrown out going to third base today. So they don't do anything well on the base pass. They don't play great defense. They don't pitch particularly well. When they get leased, the bullpen blows it. The offense stinks. But certainly once Aaron Judge comes back, all of that will be rectified, which is why I go back to the question, is he the best player in baseball history? And if the answer is no, then what the hell are we talking about? Why do we act like he is going to be this savior that comes back and everything just gets fixed? The Yankees go from being a team right now that doesn't look like it has any interest in being on the field to all of a sudden morphing back into a championship contender. 
it ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. Last year, we watched Judge put together one of the greatest offensive seasons we had ever seen. How the Yankees do in the final 101 games of the year? They were under 500. How the Yankees do in the playoffs? Barely got by the Guardians, swept by the Astros. So even Judge, at his best, wasn't good enough to overcome what the Yankees present as far as all of the issues that this roster comes with. Even Judge, at his best, at his absolute apex. So now a compromised version of him is going to be able to come in here and save this team. I just don't see it happening. And for Aaron Boone, the manager I've defended all year long, I'm sorry, he's running out of excuses. Tonight, I I just alluded to yet another base running miscue. This time it was Franchi Cordero making an out at a third base on a ball hit in front of him. Uh, we see defensive blunders all the time. We, we saw the lack of hustle uh, on the part of, uh, who was it, not running out of the, uh, Harrison Bader, who got hurt tonight. Uh, but it wasn't because of injury. He just didn't hustle out of the box, which is something we had saw last year, or had seen last year, I should say, with Josh Donaldson. And it just all continues to look like a team that is not well-managed. They don't do the little things correctly. I can't put the hitting on him because he's not at the plate. But what I can put on him is the lack of discipline. What I can put on him is this team not playing with the sense of urgency that is needed to overcome the talent deficit. What I can put on him is the fact that in every big moment, they seem to be overwhelmed. So stop telling me he doesn't deserve criticism and start watching the damn games. Aaron Boone speaking postgame reflected on the losing and he said it doesn't feel good. Doesn't feel good when you when you're getting your teeth kicked in and and you have a bad road trip or you're going through a tough stretch. We got to deal with it. We got to acknowledge where we're at and come ready to compete our ass off on on Friday and and believe that that's the day we turn it around. Yeah, let's turn it around. How about we start with the pitcher who was on the mound tonight, Carlos Rodon, who came into this season with a heavy load of expectations, big contract expected to fill a a need that was pretty conspicuous. Uh, Outside of Garrett Cole, you didn't really have a a rotation just rife with guys you trust. Nestor Cortez was an all-star, but in the second half of the season was not the same pitcher. He got hurt this year, not coincidentally, after he threw a a career-high innings. So Verdon comes in here, and he's supposed to, to fortify the top end of that Yankee rotation. He was the big signing of the offseason that came after they had just gotten swept by the Astros. Another disappointing year. So how does he ingratiate himself with this fan base that is starving? How about you miss the first half of the season? Not great. Then you return... And coming into tonight, had a 5.23 ERA in your first two starts. Also not great. But during yet uh, another rough outing for Radon, he sarcastically is blowing kisses to Yankee fans in attendance. So before I go in on him, can we have him explain what the hell happened and why was he doing that to the fans? Yeah, I blew a kiss. Um, I guess it was the best reaction I could give, but uh, better not to give a reaction, I guess. But just one of those things I was frustrated and better to blow a kiss or not do anything at all. Just a frustrating outing, that's for sure. And I shoot, I showed it uh, there in the second early. 
dog. You got to get with the program, man. You can't be all sensitive like that coming into you know this van, you know, coming into to this city, in, into this town. You better get your act together. It's year one of a six year deal, and this is the start we're getting off to. We're already frustrated that you missed half the season because of injuries, and you can say it wasn't your fault, but you come back and you're not performing well. So you best believe we're gonna let you have it. Hundred and sixty-two million dollars this team has invested into you. And you getting all sensitive, getting your feelings hurt because a couple fans are chirping at you. You want to blow kisses? How'd that work out for Julius Randle when he went to war with the Bears? Didn't work out great. Ask Javi Baez when he was stunned down in the Mets fans how it worked out for him. You better get it together, bro. That's, that's, that's not what we do here. And, and I'm not the guy who, you know, always says that the athlete has to acquiesce and, you know, can't ever chirp back at fans but this is your third start you just got here homeboy you just got here you're not pitching well it's not unfair for them to be saying some things at you now if it's disrespectful if it's abhorrent and they're saying you know they're, they're giving you commentary that's nefarious and should be addressed that's a whole different ball game but if it's a couple of fans booing you you blowing kisses Nah, so boom, what I need you to do is get your house in order. Last place team. Fans are calling for the heads of the owner. Calling for the GM. They want the manager gone. You can't stop losing. And now you got this guy walking off the mound, struggling, going at the fans in the stands. When you should be worried about the Angels, who had stunk coming into this series, tattooing you. 44 or 42 strikeouts for the Yankee offense this series. Angels record. So they out here setting records on you. Come on now. Come on. What's going on? What's happening here? What's happening? And then it all comes full circle. Hal Steinbrenner on the K show a couple weeks ago, mystified by the complaints about this team. I don't get it. I'm a little confused this year why they're so upset. Play that one more time. I'm a little confused this year why they're so upset. Really? Do we have the whole cut? Do we have the whole cut? Because he, he goes on about, you know, he, he just can't comprehend fans being so agitated this early. And it came across as tone deaf for a smart guy. A guy we perceive to, you know, be the brains of this operation, one of the best organizations in all of baseball. So here was how. We're going back weeks ago to June, and the reason why I want to replay it is because it's it's prevalent. It it, it, it it helps paint the picture that I am about to explain to you. So here's how Steinbrenner a couple of weeks ago on, you know, him being confused about Yankee fans and why they're so frustrated. I talk to Jason Zillow a lot, and I talk to different people. I don't listen to podcasts. I don't listen to radio shows. I don't read the papers much, but I want to know what the what the vibe is out there, and I understand they're upset. I'm a little confused this year, being third week in June, why they're so upset, but they're upset, and that's going to get my attention, of course. And, you know, everybody just needs to know that we're working hard on all fronts to get this back on the rails and start playing the way we were for, you know, a couple-week period there in May, but health has got to be a part of it. We've we got to get Aaron back. You know, Rodon had a rehab outing. He felt great afterwards. 42 pitches, I believe. We got to get him into the mix. We got to get healthier. We got to get guys off the I.L. and put sending guys to the I.L. That's one factor that needs to happen. 
every time I hear the cut, it gets worse. You don't, you don't, you know, listen to radio shows. How about this? Do you watch games? What happens if fans stop showing up to these games? What's the reaction if the ratings start to precipitously drop? Because they're all, you know, not all that interested in watching your product that has been so pathetic. And other sports are starting to happen. Jets and Giants coming back. That's going to resonate more profoundly than callers pulling up to radio shows voicing frustration, which we do appreciate, by the way. So if you want to vent, 800-919-3776. How? Do you remember last year when you walked on the field during Paul O'Neill Day and you were serenaded with booze? Was that not embarrassing for you? Did you not feel the, the, the pressure at that point? Did you not feel the agitation, the annoyance? So what is there to be confused about? You act as if it's the third week of June. We've had injuries. Why, why are these fans so impatient? Dog, it's been 14 years since you've been in the World Series. And it doesn't feel like you're getting any closer to extinguishing that drought. And you keep making excuses, as you did in that cut, about injuries. Oh, Radon gets back. Yeah, how's Radon been since he's been back? When Judge comes back, what, at 80, 85%? And you want him to fix this mess? Because that's what we heard at the end of last year. Well, if Andrew Benintendi hadn't gotten hurt and Matt, Car- Matt Carpenter all of a sudden overnight morphed into the King Griffey Jr. I mean, the, the, the value we associated with him. Injuries. Because the Yankees, as far as I'm concerned, are the only team every single year that is plagued by injuries. Didn't watch the Braves lose Ronald Acuna Jr. and win the World Series. That ain't happened. We don't see injuries all around baseball affecting teams, and they still find ways to win. You talk about injuries, at least you've got the resources to have the payroll as high as you do. Because look at the Rays. Look at what they're doing. Look at what Baltimore is doing. Look at all these other teams that are doing it. Not making excuses. But you're focused on injuries. You're focused on injuries. Then you got the nerve to come on here and say you don't know why Yankee fans are upset. You get it now, Hal? 800-919-3776. Your phone calls. When we return right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. I mean, the more I think about this Radon thing, I, I just get more agitated. It's like, uh, who the bleep do you think you are? And are you allowed momentary frustration leading to gaffes? I get it, but... It, you got to understand the, the the magnitude of this moment and what's happening right now for this organization. And it's a it's an it's a, an indictment of Boone because it just feels like he's losing control. Because on the surface maybe like just this acting on its own would not have been a big deal, but considering everything that else that's going on, players don't know which bases to run to putting the ball around the field, you know, bad decisions and bad answers when it comes to, you know, why he didn't walk Otani. It's just, 
the combination of all of these things just reflects poorly on the manager. Just can't seem to get it together. And I think Rodon does deserve a lot of heat for what he did. So if you're a Yankee fan out there and you just didn't like what happened, you have every right to feel that way. Let's go to Simon in New Haven. He's been waiting patiently. Got to get this Hi, off Tom. his chest. Let's hear Hi, it, Simon. How you doing? How I, you? I've, had better, I've, I've had better days as a baseball fan, but outside of that, I feel pretty good. What's going on? Well, allow me to elaborate uh, what's wrong with this, with, 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 with this team, if I may. First of all, we got a, a, a lousy manager, a manager who finds a way to lose games every single day, and I defy anyone to tell me he doesn't. We got, we got uh, a general manager in Brian Cashman who all he seems to care about is climbing down those stupid walls and sleeping outside for charities to get this team fixed. We got Hal Steinbrenner who's taking his father's legacy and throwing it down the tubes. He wants to know why we're unhappy. It's because we're tired of seeing the same old thing every day. I mean, the Yankee hitters get hits, and they don't score runs. You know, you know what? I wish somebody would ask Aaron Boone Ty one simple question. What's that? One question. Are you ready? Yeah. What's up? What What is the obsession with grounding out and popping up all the time? Is there a reason <laughs> that, that that these Yankee hitters Wait. do it? Is it con- is it a conspiracy so Simon, against the pitchers? Hang on, Simon. Uh, let's 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 be frank. So you're in the press conference. You asked Boone that question. Before you ask the question, are you coming to it think? Are you coming into it thinking that's the plan? Like, these guys are going up there wanting to ground. You know what? I could hit a home run, but I, I, I feel like popping out to center that. field would be a better option. You think that's really what's happening? Well, well, well no, but I, I, I like to know what, what, what the obsession, what the reason is. I mean, uh, we're given 27 outs for a reason. We have to make them count in our favor, not, not, not the other they team. They stink, uh, Simon. They stink. That's the reason. I know. Sometimes... Ockers raise them, right? Sometimes the simplest answer is the correct one. They stink. Uh, Torres, we keep saying, been one of the better hitters for the Yankees. Hitting 268. LeMahieu, 231. Volpe, 207. Bader, 243. IKF, 250. I mean, and the list goes on and on. Stanton's hitting under 200. He was 0-4 yesterday. He was 1-4 today. The one hit was a home run, but he also had two strikeouts. Yeah, How about Peraza right going 0-4 for four with four strikeouts? Yeah, it's cool to acknowledge it. And, and you know, how in the cut that we played earlier, we're working hard. Fam, nobody wants to hear that. We don't want to hear how hard you're working. It's been 14 years since you went to the World Series. You might miss the put. We keep – it's so funny because Yankee fans, and I got – so annoyed, and I brought it up consistently listening to the station. Yankee fans, spoiled brats, not allowed to complain. We've been complaining about not getting to the World Series. There's a chance the complaint at the end of this year could be missing the playoffs. Is that worth complaining about? Let's ask Jonathan, who's out there in L.A. I don't know why he keeps making this mistake. He was at the series against the Dodgers He's been to the Angel games. Jonathan, you keep banging your head against the wall, not expecting it to hurt. At some point, that becomes an indictment of your intelligence. I mean, Ty, uh, for God's sake, I wasn't even at the stadium yet, and they're already losing, I think, 3-4-0. <laughs> I mean, at this point, I mean, uh, uh, like I went there, and my cousins are texting me, hey, bro, at least because I just go to the games with my five-year-old son. So I go have fun with you. Go have 
a fun day with your son. I'm like, well, yeah, mine as well. I mean, I have no other choice. Uh, TD, they have scored 26 runs in the last nine games. And out of those nine games, out of six games, they have scored three runs or less. And let me tell you, this is the kicker right here. All those pitchers had a 450-plus ERA, TD. What in the, what is the hell is going on? I think the Oakland A's might have a better record. That is awful, TD. This is embarrassing. And let me tell you something, too, TD. I was right there by the by the by the um, behind the Yankees dugout. It was oh, so you smooth. saw what was going on. I seen just... it. We seen it. I seen it right there. It was no cursing, nothing at all. It was just. I right, hang on. Let me set I this have... up properly, John. Yo, hang on, Jonathan. I want to set this up properly. You are our Yankees correspondent live at the stadium. And you are giving us the play-by-play of what transpired between Carlos Rodon and the Yankee fans who he sarcastically blew kisses at. So you're live on the scene. What went down? Let's hear it. And it was just, and I barely had 10 minutes in there. I sat down. And as soon as he gave up the first home run, it started booing. It was just booing and booing. It was just boos. And then you hear, like, here and there, you hear, come on, Rondon, what's going on? Hey, come on. I never heard nothing about the contract. I, I'm not those type of fans that's going to boo. I mean, I called you before. I was even mad at, 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 at fans booing the players. I'm not that type of guy. But I ain't even heard nothing about the contracts or nothing. I just heard fear, boo, CD, boo, boo. <laughs> and most of these fans, CD, they're not like the real Yankee fans that are, the, you know, like I've been to Yankee Stadium. I have heard. The, you know, the, the the worst, man. And all of a sudden, I see this guy kissing right here, the, the fans. I'm like, oh, no, nah, man. This guy, this guy's going to, he's going to get eaten alive when he gets to New York. What, yeah. what is that? How long do we oh, have him for? That years? reception, that reception, I appreciate the call, Jonathan. Appreciate the reporting. Excellent job. ESPN might need to hire you. You know, you are, you're up there with, like, Seth Workersham. That extensive investigative reporting. Uh, so the Yankees get back from the West Coast after getting swept by the Angels. I mentioned they've lost eight of ten games. Got back-to-back home series against the Royals and the Mets. Radon is expected to start Wednesday night. I wonder what the reception is going to be. Going at the fans. Now you get home. You get rocked by the Mets. Oh, they're going to let you have it, bro. As I mentioned, you just got here. You can't pull up with that energy. You just got here. You're struggling, just got here, big contract, injuries. That is a recipe for disaster. Recipe for disaster. Speaking of disaster, got to weigh in on Draymond Green when we get back right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. We got it popping today. A ton of jet talk. By the way, the details of the MIMS trade are coming out, courtesy of Mike Garofolo of NFL Network. Looks like it'll be a pick swap for the Jets and the Lions in 2025. Once this trade is done, Detroit will send a conditional sixth-round pick in exchange for a seventh-rounder, and I detailed a lot in the first hour. My issue isn't with the trade. It's just with the pattern that's developing that, you know, there are a lot of picks that are just being wasted. 
high-end picks. You look at the 2020 draft, that's a wash. That's an entire draft you can just wipe out. Assuming Makai Beckton, after playing, what, 44 snaps the last two years, assuming he doesn't get a second contract, that's, that's a wash. Jack Wilson, bust. Elijah Moore, traded. They, they, far too often, and as much credit as he deserves, we do have to be honest, that far too often these high picks where you invest a lot of draft capital into have just been blunders. And for an organization that's missed the playoffs the last 12 years, it simply can't happen. So that was my issue with the trade. On Draymond Green, I, you know, scrolling through Twitter earlier, saw he was trending and, you know, predicted he had said something crazy on his podcast. But it turns out he can be easily baited. He can be easily baited. So the uh, a fake Twitter account, NBA Central, which is supposed to, I guess, mimic NBA Central, uh, put out a fake, a fake quote from Kevin Garnett saying, Draymond punching Jordan Poole is like a senior punching a freshman who's half his size and walks around talking himself up as if he's like that. Come try me, Draymond. It's a fake tweet, fake quote. Everything's fake about it. Here comes Draymond. I tried you when I was a rookie, KG. And you started talking to yourself like I wasn't talking to you. What's that like? The freshman picking on a senior citizen that's double his size? At Kevin Garnett. Kevin Garnett responded, that's a fake tweet. Elon Musk, see what's happening, what's going on? Draymond easily baited. He just can't help himself. It's, it's like the 2016 finals all over again in game four where LeBron clearly is trying to bait him into self-destructing, steps over him. Draymond punches in the area of his growing Get suspended for game five. Warriors blow a 3-1 lead in the finals for the first time in NBA history. Hang the banners, Cleveland. He just can't help himself. This is clownish behavior. To be that thirsty for trash talk, especially during the offseason, it just makes you look like a fool. It makes you look bad. And I know he doesn't care because he'll tie his four championships. And, and look, if there's no question, Draymond is a Hall of Famer. You just look at the impact he's had on, you know, a, a, a dynasty. The Warriors don't win these championships without Draymond. And how he has pretty much, you know, transformed how basketball is played alongside with Steph and Clay, obviously. But his impact, you know, at the five position allowing the Warriors to run out there that death lineup where he can be the five and defensively he, he's going up against, you know, uh, bigger guys and able to hold his weight. And offensively, he, he's playing that playmaker and he can run fast breaks. So Draymond Green is a Hall of Famer. You look at the resume, one of the best defensive players of his generation. So you can't question that. But he just so far too often finds himself being the butt of jokes because you look at him. And I, part of me, like, it feels like it's disrespectful to do this. But he does so much trash talking. Like, guys who should be able to trash talk. Clay Thompson can have it. You know, Steph Curry can have it. Durant, when he was with the Warriors, he can do it. Draymond, fam, what would you look like not playing alongside Steph and Clay and KD? How would you look on the Pistons? 
part of your greatness, yes, is your ability to rise to the occasion and have these guys feed off of you. You're the emotional leader. Defensively, you are, you know, you're just one of the best. Rebounding, toughness, sure. But the other part is like, man, when I watch him trending for something stupid like this, what would you be on the Orlando Magic? What would have happened to you if you weren't playing with two of the greatest shooters we've ever seen? Playing for one of the best coaches we've ever seen. It's like he, He's just so frustrated. He cannot, for the life of him, help himself during the offseason. He can't do it. And here was Draymond, I believe this was on the Pat Bev podcast, talking about the Jordan Poole incident. I'll just hit people. Dialogue, of course, happens over time. And you, you usually ain't just triggered by something like that fast, you know, right. to that degree. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is a team. You know what I'm saying? Like, ain't nobody on my team triggering me, you know, in, a, in an instant. You know, we know stuff that you don't say amongst men. You know what I'm saying? We, we, you know, we know, you know, things that you have to stand on. So Draymond continues to talk about this. I have no idea. Poole is gone. Story's over. So Jordan Poole's dad apparently tweeted out, not apparently, he did tweet it out, I stand on this. I am stand on this, he says. Interesting. I stand on this. It's some BS. JP was his guy, and he avoided me all of last year. I'm going to clean this up a little bit because he's got some curse words. He is soft, and he uses the expletive that you can spell out with the B word. And I'm standing on this, and he didn't apologize to me and my wife. So he's lame. Me and him can meet anytime he wants. Draymond responds on Twitter because, again, he just can't help but to engage in just a back and forth with someone. It has to be contentious. He's always on a 1,000. That's so cute. It's impossible to avoid you in an arena for a year, champ. I got get, I got get my family from this family room every game. And stop using these words. They don't usually go over well amongst men. Oh, says the same Draymond Green who got disrespected by LeBron in the finals, so much so that it led to a suspension and him losing the finals only to have Draymond Green befriend LeBron. Kick rocks, you, you're you not a tough be. guy. You're not a tough guy, bro. Stop playing the tough guy act. You, you are not as tough as you make it out to be. On the court, yes, the, the physical toughness, playing in the NBA game, but come on, homie, you, that, you, you're not built like that. Stop, stop walking Get around acting like fight. that's how you are. That, that's not that's not who you are. I haven't are, gotten Draymond. into a fight since I was Cut it 12. Out. <laughs> it's okay. time. Cut it out. Cut it out. The Jordan Poole situation, you were wrong. You should not have punched him in the face like that. That completely destroyed, a, once again, your team's title chances. We saw it in 2016, and we saw it this year. You ruined the locker room with that. It, it caused you to lose your voice as the emotional leader, and everything just fell apart. So how about you focus on, I don't know, trying to help your team win actual basketball games and, and avoid Twitter conversation and contentious arguments? Because you should be better than that. I mean, I, I could make the case you didn't deserve the extension the Warriors just gave you. Now, they have to keep this group together, this dynasty, and, and try to win a championship because you can't sell Steph Curry on, you know, we're going to rebuild. So you got to do everything in your power 
to keep this thing going. But when I saw Draymond get that contract, I said, yikes. He is he is not even close to being the same player he was. And I thought this could be the last we saw of him. Four years, $100 million with Draymond Green at this stage of his career. 33 years old, going to turn 34 uh, in the midst of next season. Man. And Draymond, a couple days ago, was, was, was talking about the Knicks, too. He, he, he was going at Knicks fans. He said Knicks fans, uh, what do you call them, delusional? He was talking to Trey Young about everything that happened in that 2020 playoff series. So he just talks and talks and talks. And he's getting to a point in his career where the trash talk isn't able to be backed up by the production on the court. I'm sick of Draymond already. We wrap up the show next on 98.7 ESPN. And he uses the expletive that you can spell out with the B word. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Ty Butler wrapping up the show in for Larry and Gordon. I'm filling in for them the rest of the week. So tomorrow and Friday night, we'll be here 10 to midnight rocking. Yankees are off. Mets will be in action. The Yankees back home on Friday for a weekend series against the Royals uh, before they welcome the Mets into town. The Mets have won three straight games. What are they now, seven games back of a playoff spot? So they're trying to make a, a, a fake rally ahead of the trade deadline. Maybe convince their, their GM and, and owner to, to be buyers at the deadline. I don't see it happening. This team isn't going anywhere. Speaking of not going anywhere, uh, Saquon Barkley, who was given the franchise tag, hasn't signed it. Report today is he says he's considering not playing for the Giants this season, admitting during a recent interview that he might have to take it to this level amid his stalemate with the team over a long-term contract. I, for the life of me, and I consider myself to be a pretty smart guy, do not understand the logic of sitting out an entire season. You don't even have to go back that far to see that when someone in a similar position to you who ended up playing in this town completely destroyed their career, Le'Veon Bell, what like what is the benefit? How do you win in that situation sitting out for the season? If you want to be frustrated, I hear you, bro. At the NFL, you know, short for not for long, particularly with running back, short life, it, it sucks what's going on. It's it's a tough business in being a running back now. Cause I forget so who who pointed this out, but the formula is it's blunt, and it comes across as disrespectful. Draft a running back, run him into the ground, franchise him twice, release him, rinse, repeat, do it all over again. That's really what it is because of the nature of that position. And it's not that the it's become devalued in the sense of we're not utilizing uh, production from the backs. It's just the big-time names, those marquee guys. We don't need to pay you top dollar this, this long you know going to the days where Emmett Smith like gone are those days Jim Brown like we're, we're not playing in that same era of football it's about the quarterback so I hear you Saquon be frustrated 
pout all you want. You better show up for the Giants this year because that's just not going to work out for you. I don't know that there is a team out there after you sit for a year is going to say, let's give him a, a big contract. You are now trying to capitalize on all of that momentum. You've been plagued by injuries. You are getting up there in age. To punt on an entire season and expect that this is going to lead you to an even bigger payday? What's he getting, like $600,000 per game? And you're just going to say no to that because you're mad, because you're frustrated? And I get the logic would be, I don't want to go out there and sacrifice my body and expose myself to a potential significant injury where I jeopardize my next contract. But I just don't see the next contract being more, you know, more lucrative than this current one that's on the table for you. Whatever the Giants were offering, I don't see you getting that big payday. It just doesn't appear to me that it's something that's going to happen. And if you're a Giant fan, I don't think that you should be annoyed with Saquon because he has to look out for himself. It's a business, right? The business works both ways. We can't just say it's a business and it be something that's beneficial, you know, us looking through the lens of, of management. It works both ways. So he has to protect himself. So I don't think you should be annoyed with him because maybe you, you operate the same way. When, when you put your, your, your blood, your sweat, and tears, and you put literally your life on the line in some instances because how dangerous this game is, you put it all on the line and the team isn't willing to get into a long-term relationship with you, it, it, it can be something that warrants a, a bitter feeling. So don't be mad at him. I just think that it would be career malpractice, career suicide if he sits out for a season. Career suicide. And I actually had a caller last night take Saquon's side and say, I'm mad at the Giants because he's been the best player. You, you got to look out for him. Wait, hold up here. Look out for him. Don't, get, don't allow emotions to get in the way of properly building your team. That that's this is not what that's about. We love Saquon. He is a cornerstone for this organization. He's our team leader. He's a guy who represents our brand the best way possible. But it doesn't necessarily add up to long-term commitments. And we talked about this last night. Josh Jacobs led the league in rushing, franchised. Tony Pollard, instrumental to what the Cowboys do offensively franchised. Dalvin Cook, four straight 1,000-yard seasons. Cuts. Ezekiel Elliott. Remember, he was the best player for the Cowboys at one point. Got the second contract. Cut. Christian McCaffrey, big-time money. Traded. And the team that traded for him was okay with it because they felt like they could win a Super Bowl. If the Giants were knocking on the door of winning it all, then give him the big-time money. High risk, high reward. Win the championship. But they're not. They have a 0% chance of winning it all next year. So they made the right decision. Speaking of right decision, Jonathan Winthrop made the right decision to bring me back. We'll talk to you 22 hours from now, right here on 98.7 ESPN. Good night.